welcome back to Know What I've Been Wondering. I'm Sarah. <laughs> I'm a Starship Ranger. Ranger. I'm Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to all of our listeners who have watched Starkid and get that joke. If yes, you yes. haven't watched Starkid and you don't get that joke, boy, do I have an activity for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. going to love it. We've been rewatching a lot of Star Kid this week, which is why that was on my mind. And it really brings me back to like 2011, like oh. the good part of 2011, you know? Yeah. Which in my head, 2011 was like a year ago. Yeah. Like someone the other day was like, it's interesting that um, 1970 was only 30 years ago. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it was 50. 50. We are closer to 2040 than we are to 2000. I hate that. I really do. I really mm. do hate that. Mm-hmm. How you doing, Jane? <laughs> I'm doing well overall. <laughs> it's our last day together tomorrow. We have to separate, so I'm I sad know, about that. That but is sad. We've had a really nice time together. We, we had a have. fun day today. So we have. We've done I'm, lots of fun yeah, things. Yeah, I'm doing good in that regard. How are you, Sarah? I'm good. Drinking some yummy tea. Yeah, we both are. Yeah, hanging out, you yeah. know, doing... Yeah. Doing well. I have to tell you that my topic's a bit of a downer. Okay, well, mine's, like, nonsense, so... <laughs> okay, I think this will be a good pairing, then. It's like, <laughs> it's like cheese and wine. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it's more like cheese and chocolate. I don't know. Should I go second to, like, lighten it, or...? No, we can, we can have keep chocolate. It. Okay. You can have chocolate first. That's fine. Yeah. I, I won't judge. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. I'm ready. Oh, you want me to just dive on into it? Okay. Yeah, I do. So you asked me to talk about the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Uh Mm Uh-huh. I did. Yes. So here's a little bit of a backstory for it before we get into its teachings. Um, (laughs) (laughs) In 2005, the state of Kansas Board of Education was about to hold hearings to decide if the public school curriculum in Kansas should teach evolution or creationism. Oh, or like some combination of the two or whatever. Yeah. And the intent of the hearings was um, that the history of life on Earth should be taught to include the full range of scientific views, including creationism, oh. and that science classes be taught via the teach the controversy method. Now, the teach the controversy method is essentially a curriculum that presents all theories, mainly evolution and creationism, as equally possible, (laughs) but evolution is considered a new and controversial theory. Oh, Jesus. Whereas... I don't understand how all this is legal, but that's a whole other thing. Um, And evolution is wildly disputed amongst the scientific community. No, it's not. Whereas (laughs) creationism is like... Centuries old and has been believed for so long, and it has no scientific exactly. basis whatsoever. Yeah, it's it's BS. Um, but <laughs> and therefore, is creationism is a more supported way of thinking. So, a uh, Kansas Board of Education member, Kathy Martin, declared in the beginning of the hearings, evolution has been proven false. Intelligent design is science based and strong in facts. And at the conclusion of the hearing, she proclaimed that evolution was, quote, an unproven, often disproven theory, while intelligent design, creationism, has theological implications. Intellectual design is not strictly Christian, but it 
or intelligent design is not strictly Christian, but is theistic. So they're really trying to be like, it's not just Christians who believe this. Like, mm. that there's some grand scheme of things that right. some deity has done. But really, it's just like Christians. Like, yeah. yeah. It's really just the Christians. Yeah. The evangelical, like, specifically. Yeah. Ultimately, the board voted six to four, siding with the Discovery Institute, which claimed that evolution could not rule out a supernatural or theistic source, mm. and that evolution itself was not fact, but only a theory, right. and a theory in crisis, and that, <laughs> and that intelligent design... I'm a theory in crisis. Yes, and that intelligent design must be considered a viable alternative to evolution. Uh, I see. Yeah. I, I gotta look into see what the more, like, recent state of science teaching in Kansas is, but that was... I doubt it's changed That was 2005, and it was not by any means the first time. It had been a debate up Mm -hmm. several times before then. Yeah. Uh, Over 70 scientists, scientific societies, um, issued statements opposing these hearings. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And many individuals and several organizations boycotted and protested them. Yeah. One individual named Bobby Henderson, a recent physics graduate from Oregon State University, sent an open letter to the Kansas State Board of Education prior to the start of the hearings. Mm-hmm. The purpose of the letter was to use parody to convince them to stop including creationism in high school science classes where okay. evolution should be taught. 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 Oh my God. <laughs> I need some education. Should be taught. Mm-hmm. In his letter, he essentially wrote that if we are going to teach students that some deity created the universe and the mm-hmm. earth, that it's wrong that the lessons of only one particular re- religion be taught I see. instead of his own, the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Okay, I see where this is yes. going now. So I'm following. Yeah. So while other, like, um, critics of what the board of education was doing mm-hmm. we're trying we're unsuccessfully trying to argue that there was scientific evidence saying you know that evolution was real right. and it was wrong to teach that um it could only be intellectual design rather right. than evolution um bobby henderson wanted to use their own logic against them i respect him yeah for that. He said that they were cre- that they were correct that a deity did indeed create the universe, but he believed that it was a, the that it was his deity, the flying spaghetti monster, and he created this whole detailed religion around this idea. So if anybody said like, "Well, that's clearly not true," he would be like, "Well, I have just as much evidence for my idea as you have for yours." Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, try and like make them see <laughs> right, and to uh, be like, "You're being a hypocrite." Yeah. 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 It didn't really work, but... Uh, I respect his... I respect <laughs> yeah. the tactic, though. I really do. Yeah, and if people were to be like, well, ours is a full religion with literature and history, he basically was like, oh, well, me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Henderson described himself as a concerned citizen representing more than 10 million others and said his belief in the flying spaghetti monster was equally valid to the beliefs of other religions. Mm. One part of the letter reads, I think we can all look forward to the time when these three theories are given equal time in our science classrooms across the country and eventually the world. So this guy's just like trolling the Board of Education. Oh, entirely. And 
like Christians who refuse to let their children learn science. Right. Um, one third time for intel- for intelligent design, one third time for flying spaghetti monsterism, and one third time for logical conjecture based on overwhelming observable evidence. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. When he received no reply from the Board of Education, he published the letter on his website and gained a significant amount of public interest. Mm. Rather quickly... Pastafarianism. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Became an internet phenomenon. That's good. That's good. Eventually, he did receive replies from some of the members of the Board of Education. Uh Three of them, who happened to be members who were pro-evolution, wrote him letters that were friendly and positive. The fourth letter came from somebody on the other side of the argument and basically told him... It's a serious offense to mock God and you're going to hell and yada yada. Henderson also published a significant amount of hate mail and death threats that he received following the whole situation. Mm -hmm. Henderson has since explained, I don't have a problem with religion. What I have a problem with is religion posing as science. If there is a God and he's intelligent, then I would guess he has a sense of humor, which I agree with. Within one year of sending this letter, he received over 60,000 emails about the flying spaghetti monster. Wow. He says 95% of those emails were supportive and, like, wanted to be, like, part of it. Right. Uh, And 5%, the other 5% were just telling him that he was going to hell. Mm -hmm. Also during this time, his website received tens of millions of hits. Oh. So he was becoming this internet phenomenon. Right. And several comedy and pop culture websites were writing about it and taking part in the fun and it was becoming a big thing. I first heard about it because we were like discussing religion in one of my high school English classes and Mm -hmm. my teacher was like, well, I'm a member of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster and we had this whole debate and the way he said it to me, like I thought it was like, I kind of took it as disrespectful because he wasn't saying it in the way of like, Oh, uh, the way that this is sort of critiquing the church's mm-hmm. um, putting down of facts and right. scientific information. He was just saying, like, oh, you believe in God? That's dumb. Mm. I believe in a flying spaghetti monster. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, like, putting down people for having any sort of beliefs. Ah, I see. Uh, which I didn't love. Which So I... But this is a lot more positive than I thought it was going to yeah. be. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really fun. Um, so there was this creationist named Kent Hovind who believed that the earth is much younger than it is based on what the Bible says. And he issued this challenge where he offered a financial reward to anyone who could provide evidence that could prove to him that Jesus was not the son of God. Mm. To parody this, this online blog called Boing Boing (laughs) issued a challenge offering a $250,000 reward, which was eventually raised to a million dollars, to anyone that could could provide solid empirical evidence that proved to them that Jesus is not the son of the flying spaghetti monster. (laughs) Six different publishers reached out to Bobby Henderson and asked him to write a book on his beliefs um, and just like to detail all this stuff about his religion. So in 2006, the gospel of the flying spaghetti monster was published. Oh my God. Containing the official tenets of Pastafarianism. Oh my God. It includes a creation myth that is a direct spoof of the Christian one, Mm -hmm. uh, some pseudoscientific proof, and many pasta puns. Good. Yep. It contains some crude drawings of the flying spaghetti monster, and 
It's essentially like a sentient ball of pasta. Um, <laughs> Me too. And it has a bunch of altered stock photos that include him. So, for example, that famous painting, The Creation of Adam. Uh-huh. It's edited so that the flying spaghetti monster is where God is. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's like God, the spaghetti monster creating Adam. Right. Yeah. Um, the creation myth goes like this. On the first day, the flying spaghetti monster separated the water from the heavens. On the second, because he could not tread water for long and had grown tired of flying, he created the land, complemented by a beer volcano. Satisfied, the flying spaghetti monster overindulged in beer from the beer volcano and woke up hungover. Between drunken nights and clumsy afternoons, the flying spaghetti monster produced seas and land for a second time, accidentally, because he forgot that he had created it the day before. Oh my god. <laughs> Along with heaven and a, sh- and a very short man. He, was a, he refers to the short man as the, like, you know, the outdated term for <laughs> little people. Um, he then created an equally short woman, and they lived happily in the Olive Garden of Eden for some time until the flying spaghetti monster caused a global flood in a cooking accident. Oh my god. <laughs> so some parts of these are, like, very clearly like, oh, this was yeah. written in 2005. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's a li- at first I was like, this is kind of bro-y and I don't know how much I vibe with right. it. But I think it's really been updated and the website is very inclusive and fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. The gospel details that the flying spaghetti monster uses his, quote, noodly appendages. And the phrase noodly appendages is used a lot. <laughs> um, his great noodly appendages. Yeah. His noodly appendages are used to create evidence to make scientists think that the world is much older than it is Uh, in order to test the faith of his followers. I see. Yes. I understand now. (laughs) Rather than the Ten Commandments, the Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster contains the eight I'd really rather you didn't. (laughs) Yeah. This is really funny. (laughs) Following these, the Pastafarians may ascend into heaven. Which includes a stripper factory and a beer volcano. Oh my gosh. Again, some parts of these seem really bro Really bro yeah. yeah. Um, according to the gospel, Mosey, the pirate captain, received the ten stone tablets as advice from the FSM, uh, the Flying Spaghetti Monster, uh-huh. um, and he accidentally right. dropped two of them on the way down from Mount Salsa, so we only have eight. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of pirates, the original humans and Pastafarians were pirates who were really peaceful explorers, but oh. Christian misinformation has painted them as outcast criminals. That's unfortunate. Which, um, listen to our episode on the history of pirates. Yeah. <laughs> For more information For on more that. Information. <laughs> apparently I was wrong. Apparently they're nice people. Yeah. <laughs> the Christians were out yeah, they were Pastafarians. They were Pastafarians. Um... um here are the eight I'd really rather you didn't, mm-hmm. which are also known as the eight flying spaghetti condiments. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing is funny. Um, okay, so number one, I'd really rather you didn't act like a sanctimonious holier-than-thou ass when describing <laughs> my noodly goodness. If some people don't believe in me, that's okay, really. I'm not that vain. Besides, this isn't about them, so don't change the subject. (laughs) This is word for word. Right. I love this. Uh, (laughs) Number two. I'd really rather you didn't use my existence as a mean to oppress, subjugate, punish, eviscerate, mm, and mm. or, you know, be mean to others. Mm, I don't require sacrifices, and purity is for drinking water, not people. I feel like this is, like... 
this is the same tone as Bo Burnham's song from the perspective of God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number three. I'd really rather you didn't judge people for the way they look or how they dress or the way they talk or, well, just play nice, okay? Yeah. Oh, and get this in your thick heads. Woman equals person. Man equals person. Samey, samey. One is not better than the other. Mm -hmm. Unless we're talking about fashion, and I'm sorry, but I gave that to women and some guys who know the difference between teal and fuchsia. (laughs) Number four. I'd really rather you didn't indulge in conduct that offends yourself or your willing, consenting partner of legal age and mental maturity. Mm. As for anyone who might object, I think the expression is go fuck yourself. (laughs) unless they find that offensive in which case they can turn off the tv for once and go for a walk for a change (laughs) number five i'd really rather you didn't challenge the bigoted misogynist hateful ideas of others on an empty stomach eat then go after the bitches (laughs) (laughs) that's good advice yeah number six i'd really rather you didn't build a multi-million dollar church slash temple slash mosque slash shrines to my noodly goodness when the money could be better spent take your pick and then there's a list and it includes <laughs> eating ending poverty curing diseases living in peace loving with passion and lowering the cost of cable <laughs> <laughs> i might be a complex carbohydrate omniscient being but complex i enjoy the simple things in life i ought to know i am the creator mm-hmm. he, he ought to know mm-hmm. is he referred to as a he Yes. Okay. Number seven, I'd really rather you didn't go around telling people I talk to you. You're not that interesting. Get over yourself. And I told you to love your fellow man. Can't you take a hint? And number eight, I'd really rather you didn't do unto others as you would have them do unto you if you are into um, stuff that uses a lot of leather slash lubricant slash Las Vegas. <laughs> if the other person is into it, however, pursuant to number two to number four, then have at it. <laughs> Take pictures. And for the love of Mike, wear a condom. <laughs> Honestly, it's a piece of rubber. If I didn't want it to feel good when you did it, I would have added spikes or something. And those are the eight I'd rather you didn't. Oh my God. I uh, love them. Here's a few other in, uh, bits of information about mm-hmm. the tradition of this religion. Friday mm-hmm. is considered a holy day, and if mm-hmm. you choose to pray on that day, you should end it with ramen. <laughs> <laughs> One of the biggest traditions slash dogmas of the religion is that there are no formal traditions mm. or dogmas, but there are a few holidays. Oh. The first one is Postover. <laughs> of course. And it's a holiday in which one consumes a large amount of pasta. Ah, naturally. Ramadan is a holiday in which ramen is con- consumed. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. International Talk Like a Pirate Day was not invented by the Church of, Fly- of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, but they consider it a religious holiday. They, they do observe it. <laughs> they do observe it. Um, around the time of Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever the winter holiday you celebrate is, uh-huh. they celebrate a holiday known simply as Holiday which does not take place on a specific date so much as as it is just the season itself. Mm. And it's celebrated however you want. That's uh, nice. There are many pictures online of people just putting a, <laughs> um, like, DIY flying spaghetti monster on a Christmas tree <laughs> or on a wreath or on any other form of decor they want. Uh, you just celebrate the whatever you want, however you want. Um, 
And whenever anybody says, like, happy holidays, mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, they're talking about us. Oh. Or, and <laughs> in one point, I, I believe it was around 2006, George Bush, um, Po- like published a letter in which he in which he wished wished the country a happy holiday season, and they were like, "Yeah, holiday. That's our that's our thing. Holiday. Yeah, thank George you, George Bush is a member yeah. of the. And they like the they, they shared it all over the internet. It was a whole thing. And that's they love to like um, kind of troll like evangelical Republican uh-huh. politicians whenever they're like the holiday. They're mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and they frequently mm-hmm. say, "Put the spaghetti back in holiday." Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. More spaghetti. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> there is an official website that you can uh, look at for information. They do have merch you can buy, and you can order a certificate of ordination, but the website specifies that there is no formal process in order to become a member in good standing of the church and that no money is required. And if you do choose to purchase something, like they're not using that to make money. All the money mm-hmm. that's collected is just to cover the cost of making the product. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, which is also kind of a dig at, like not only the, like Christianity, but like mm-hmm. cults that demand you pay them a lot of money, right. like other religious organizations that require yeah. financial contribution yeah. in order to be a member in good standing, right. And they have all these, like, frequently asked questions. One of them was, like, what is the Flying Spaghetti Monster's view of gay marriage? And it was literally, like, you do whatever you want. Right. Like, as long as you're, like, a kind person who's, like, not hurting other people. Right. Like, God, the Flying Spaghetti Monster doesn't care if you marry or not and who you marry or not. Right. Um, And all these things essentially like that. And they were like, and there's many... LGBTQ plus people who are pastafarians. Mm-hmm. So what have you? Um, I want to go to a pastafarian wedding. <laughs> they do like most of the stuff that people do is they just show up at like parades and stuff with uh, like yeah. a big pasta float. Or, like love, that. yeah. Um, there's a lot of members who like will show up at events wearing like a pasta colander on their head. Mm, okay, I'll look for that. Now. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's a fun time, and they're one of the last things I read on their website was that um, a lot of people asked them, like, is this a joke? Mm. And, like, I guess technically it was started as, like, a parody, and they they recognize that. But, like, many people have called this a satirical thing, a parody. Um, But ultimately, like, these are our ridiculous list of beliefs. You don't have to believe in all of them to become a member. And they even mention there are many Christians who do not believe every word of the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, you can hang with us even if you don't believe in a... a noodle man who <laughs> created the universe. I believe in what he believes. I don't believe in the noodle man. <laughs> you know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. His noodly goodness. His noodly goodness. I want noodles. Ooh, yeah, they are. Noodles do sound good right mm-hmm. now. No, that was all very, very interesting. I really enjoyed learning about that. It was not what I was expecting <laughs> at all. I was expecting, like, a full-blown conspiracy theory. Oh. That, like, there is a flying spaghetti monster, and he lives in the sea, and here's why. Like, that's what I thought oh. we were going for. No. I did not know it was about this. But I found that super interesting. So thank you for sharing. Also, please, um, <laughs> if there's ever any debate in your local community going on about whether or not evolution should be taught in science classes, help that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh it should yep. is the answer. I totally agree with what the founder 
said and that I have no problem with religion. I'm a pretty religious person. Mm-hmm. It's just religion should not be a reason why you infringe on anybody else's rights or deny fact. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And separation of church exactly. and state is a thing. For exactly. A yeah. For sure. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing all that very valuable information. Um, so for our ramen, ramen, <laughs> ramen. Um, okay. So for our very brief middle segment, mm-hmm. um, I thought we could continue our game from earlier. <gasps> yeah. Jane and I played this game and you can play too, where we have to name a movie. Mm-hmm. One of us names a movie and someone has to name the actor in that movie. And we just, and then the, that person has to name another movie that actor is in and we kind of just keep going. Yeah, I used to play this all the time with my brothers. You just... Yeah, it's better in a larger group, I think, because when it's just the two of us, one of us has to take movies yeah. and one of us has to take actors. Yeah. Um, but it always leads to an interesting conversation, so I figured we could play a quick round of our favorite yeah. game. I also think it's fun when you play with a group that wants to like keep it going as long as possible. Mm-hmm. When I played it with my brothers, it was like they really tried to stump each other and like wanted it like mm-hmm. wanted to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's more fun when like you just keep going and going and going. Right, and then you're like, "Oh, I love that movie." Yeah. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. It's great. Or or like we've had a lot of debates where it's like I'm going to name this actor and the other person will name a movie and it's like you didn't immediately think of the one I thought of. Right, like, right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, would you like to take movies or actors? I'll go actor. You go with the actor. Yeah. Okay, so do you want me to start by picking a movie? Go ahead. Okay, I'm gonna pick a movie. Uh, I wasn't prepared to pick a movie. Ooh, uh, let's do. Why was Steel Magnolias the first thing that came to mind? I guess have you seen Steel Magnolias? Yes, I have. I love Steel Magnolias. That's about fine news. Oh mm-hmm. wow. Okay, I'll say Steel Magnolias. Okay, Dolly Parton. Nine to five, the most iconic <laughs> movie ever made. Uh, Jane Fonda. Oh. I would also Isn't just like, like to mention that one. Jane Fonda keeps getting arrested. Remember when she kept getting arrested for protesting climate change, I believe? What an mm-hmm. icon. Do I do have a Jane Fonda movie. Okay. The Butler. Lee Daniels, The Butler. <laughs> so can I say Lee Daniels? <laughs> no, he's not in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> he directed it. <laughs> I always get confused by that. I always think Lee Daniels is The Butler. No, no, no. It's no, just his it's, movie. Uh, what's that guy's name? The main guy? Yeah. Is it is Brian Cranston in that movie? Not that I remember. Who plays the president? He plays you're the well, Brian Cranston people. does play LBJ. Yeah. But I don't think he's in that movie. Unless he plays Nixon in that movie. Oh, is Oprah in that movie? She is in that movie. Oprah Winfrey. I Ooh. didn't even Google it. I'm just gonna say her name. Oh, she's in not the help. She was in the color purple. Yes. Okay, so Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Ooh, sister act. Oh, <gasps> you know who's in that movie? Who's <laughs> in that movie? Oh, what's her name? Oh, Professor McGonagall. Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith. Uh, love Maggie Smith. Okay, well now I have to do Harry Potter. But which Harry Potter? I will do. I'll do the second Harry Potter. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Okay. My first thought is Brian Cranston go. was Ronald. Oh no, sorry, that's fan casting. He was not mm. in the Butler, but he was yeah. in All the Way, where he played LBJ. That's probably yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. Um. Okay. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I See, mean, it's like where do you go? Like, right. <laughs> it's like you can name any of the you any can, of the main people, or yeah. you can name someone who's specifically in that movie. My literal first thought was the cute boy who plays Tom Riddle. <laughs> 
what other movie has he been in? What I don't know. I can't name his I don't even know his name. <laughs> I'm literally, like, when I was a kid watching that movie, I'm literally that TikTok audio that's like, what's happening? What's the matter with me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I did not have that experience. I had the experience of, I saw that movie with my dad, and I think my mom was there, but I don't remember, but mm-hmm. I know my dad was there, and he fell asleep, and I was afraid of the snake alone. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> I was left alone to fear that snake, and I was in, like, second grade, maybe? I was like, she oh. never forgave, but she never I'm actually forgot. not afraid of snakes to this day, and to this day, that is still my favorite scene in, it, in any Harry Potter movie. Uh, I think that seems brilliant when he fights Basilis. So mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I'll go Alan Rickman. Just because that oh. seems like it opens up a fun... It does. See, we already talked about Alan Rickman today, and I came up with two Alan Rickman movies, and now, <laughs> once again, I'm back being like, those are the only two Alan Rickman movies. Um, I'm going to do the live-action Alice in Wonderland. He played the Caterpillar. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. That was a plethora of people, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got all the classic Tim Burton people you in really that do. movie. You really do. You got your Helena, you got your Johnny. Who's Helena Bonham Carter in that She's movie? She's the Queen of Hearts. Oh, you're right. I forgot. Because I, I always picture Anne Hathaway as the white queen. Yeah. Well, I'll go Anne Hathaway. <laughs> Love her. Okay, Anne Hathaway. I'm going to do a favorite of mine, Becoming Jane. Mm-hmm. James McAvoy. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, okay. I'm just saying that, but that is my answer. That is your answer, yeah. James McAvoy. Okay, I will do... Oh, The Chronicles of Narnia. <gasps> <laughs> Mr. Tumnus himself. We have a lamp outside of our <laughs> cabin that looks like the lamp from The Chronicles of Narnia. And Jane saw and she goes, what is this Mr. Tumnus lamp? <laughs> it really is. Love Mr. Tumnus. Mr. Tumnus. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, any of the movies, any of the movies. Okay, well, I, oh, well, Prince Caspian, I could go Ben Barnes. Oh, uh, Ben Barnes! He's so devilishly handsome. I only know, like, one other Ben Barnes movie, although he's been in a couple, but I just think, I, yeah, I just always think of Westworld with him. Yeah, he's also in, um, Stardust. But <laughs> oh, he is in Stardust! Yeah, he but is. I won't say him, I'm pretty sure, isn't Liam Neeson the voice of Aslan? He is? Yes. That makes perfect sense now that you've said it, and yet I never put it together. Liam Neeson, I gotta go with my favorite Liam Neeson movie. Also the highest rated Will Ferrell movie on Rotten Tomatoes, The Lego Movie. (laughs) (laughs) Truly one of my favorite films. (laughs) And I I do need everyone to know that it is Will Ferrell's highest rated movie, because it got a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it deserved it. It deserved it, Jane. Will Ferrell. <laughs> See if we can get it back, back to, to Steel, Steel Magnolias. Magnolias. I doubt it because I don't think I could name one other actor in Steel Magnolias. Oh, I could. Okay, then maybe you'll get it there. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so what actor did you go with for Lego Movie? I said Elizabeth Banks. <sighs> okay, Elizabeth Banks. Uh-huh. The Hunger Games. Okay, okay. Um, What's his name? The, the guy with the face and the... Woody Harrelson. <laughs> Woody Harrelson. Okay. Uh, Solo. Okay, okay. Don- Donald Glover. Wait, what am I? Yeah. He's yeah, in, yeah, 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 that's right, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Donald Glover. Okay, what was the movie we talked about earlier with Donald Glover? The Lion King. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll do The Lion King. The live-action Lion King. Instead of Spider-Man. I think of other movies that this actress has been in so I could get to do and like. I think that. you're overthinking it. I think we just okay, need to okay, go down okay. that path. Okay, okay, so The Lion King. Okay. Um... Who was in that film? Um, other than John Oliver, which is what my brain's going through. He's not going to help us. 
Um, There's a big one. Met earlier today. James Earl Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Should we just do that? Sure. Okay, Star Wars. Return okay. of the Jedi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really going to make it. <laughs> um, hmm. Who can I go with? Oh, you know what? Maybe Harrison Ford. Ooh, okay. Um, he's made so many movies. Yeah. Okay, with The Fugitive. But I don't think that'll help you. You know, <laughs> your face is like absolutely not. Okay, I'll do Indiana Jones. Okay. Sure, Shia LaBeouf. Okay. Shia LaBeouf. Holes. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of choices there. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, holes, 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 holes. Sigour- Sigourney Weaver. I always forget that's her. <laughs> I thought that was Julianne Moore. No, that no. is Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Ugh, I can never say that. <laughs> She's in... I'm gonna get you something real nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love Holes. I really do. That's, no, that we've is... referenced that film so many times this trip. We, it's a great movie. We, we, should, watch it, we it. should watch it tonight. Ghostbusters. Okay. The OG. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's that guy's name? Bill Murray? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, my favorite film ever made, The Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> um, great film. I'm just really trying to get to this one actress. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to oh, oh, okay, okay. Um, I think I know what film I should try and get to. So Ray Fiennes. See, this is a problem because I only know Harry Potter. I oh, Okay, okay. I don't know if I can name another one of his movies. Okay, who else is in that movie? Um, so many people. <laughs> Every person ever is in a Wes Anderson movie. Is Saoirse Ronan? Okay, Lady Bird. Or no, I'll do Little Women. I'll do Little Women. Oh, oh, Laura Dern. <laughs> I love her so much. Um, She's so pretty. And yet the other thing I can think about is Jurassic Park. I have to do Jurassic Park. Okay, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Um, this takes me back to Wes Anderson because he's in all of his movies. But I will do Independence Day. It's a great movie. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I messed it up. I don't know on that one. Um, you don't know? You've never seen Independence Day? Oh, is that that one with um, the Will aliens? Smith and yeah. The alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen scenes from it. Oh, my God. That was one of my favorite movies <laughs> as a kid. I watched it all the time. Is Bill Pullman in that? He is. He's okay, the president. I'll, okay, I'll go Bill He's Pullman. always the president. I'll go Bill Pullman then. Spaceballs? <laughs> <laughs> we've done Star Wars, now we've done Spaceballs. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, who is else in that movie, though? Oh, Rick Moranis. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I love Rick Moranis. Okay, how do you shrug the kids? <laughs> I don't know anybody else in that movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Should I do a little shot of horrors instead? Sure, yes. Okay, Little Shop of Horrors. Steve Martin. <laughs> Father of the Bride? Or not where you wanted to go? No, 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 no. Uh, that might be fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Diane Keaton? Oh, I love her. <laughs> She's in First Wives Club. <laughs> she is. Oh, shit. So now I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> who was the other woman we literally said earlier? Was it Goldie Hawn? Yes. Yeah, Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. A what's her movie with Kurt Russell? Overboard? No, not over. Yes, yes, that's the movie. Overboard. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overboard. Is that what's called? Yeah. Yeah. Her. I guess Kurt Russell. Cause I don't know any of the kids. Oh, but you know who's in that? Who? 
the dad from Gilmore Girls. Or the grandpa. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Okay, Kurt Russell. God, there's so many. And the, the only movie I can think of is Flicka. <laughs> <laughs> My inner horse girl really coming out. I don't know anybody else. <laughs> okay, Kurt Russell. I have to be able to name... See, I see all the Kurt Russell movies I know, because my mom has such a thing for him, or at least she did when she was, like, a teen, is <laughs> Escape from Los Angeles, or Escape from New York, which I know you've never seen. Uh, yeah, I don't know that movie. Um... Kurt Russell. Oh, um, that movie where he's Santa Claus. What's that movie called? Oh, okay. Well, here's the thing. Whenever I see ads for that movie, I'm always like, oh, sexy Santa Claus. Like, why do they make him kind of hot? Like, he he's like a daddy Santa Claus. He really is. Okay, that movie. Christmas, Chris Kringle. No, it's called Christmas. I don't know what it's called, but you know what I'm talking about. I do, but the only other person in the movie that I can think of is Goldie, Goldie Hawn. Hawn. I think we failed, <laughs> is the moral of the story. I think we failed our mystery. Okay, I was trying so hard to get us to Sally Fields. <laughs> oh! So when I said refines, I was hoping somehow, like, that would get us to Tom Hanks. Oh, mm. that makes sense. And then we would get to Forrest Gump. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We had to get to Haley Joel Osment because I made that mistake oh. earlier. Yeah. That's all right. That's all right. That was still very, very fun. That was a great time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's in The Thing. I was like, what's that other movie that Kurt Russell is famous yeah. for? He's the guy in The Thing. Escape from New York is wild. It's a, It takes place in the future. And Kurt Russell plays this guy named Snake... Snake... Mom's gonna kill me for not knowing this. <laughs> she, and she always quotes it. The Christmas Chronicles. I knew it was Christmas something. Um. All right. Well, that was great. Good job, Jane. Thank you. We worked very hard at that. <laughs> Someday we'll succeed in doing a circle. Yeah, one day we'll make a circle. A hoop that never ends. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I wanted to give give us this lighthearted moment together before we get to my topic because it's dark. It's very dark, and I would like to put in some content warnings for violence, yeah. sexual violence, <gasps> a little bit, um, like uh, uh, death, yeah, uh, race, like racial discrimination, all oh, these things, yeah, all the things, yeah, because. Um, well, I, I am going to talk about the guillotine, but I also feel responsible for talking about capital punishment in general. Yeah, that's fair. So I'll talk about the guillotine first, and then I'll kind of get into capital punishment. So the guillotine is most famous for its use during the French Revolution, but it did exist as early as the Middle Ages, just not called the guillotine. Mm -hmm. The name guillotine is French, but similar devices had been used in Germany, Flanders, and England. The Germans called their beheading device a planca, and the English used a sliding axe known as the Halifax gibbet, which has existed for so long that they're actually not quite sure how long it's been around. Oh. Like, it could be from antiquity. But the French guillotine specifically was inspired by two earlier machines, the Manaia, Manaia, Manaia from Italy, and the Scottish Maiden. And the Scottish Maiden claimed 120 Scottish lives between the 16th and 18th century, which is why I asked you that question earlier about Mary Queen of Scots. Oh, yeah. Mary Queen of Scots was not beheaded by a Scottish Maiden, um, but it was popular at the time. Mm -hmm. These machines were often used in the execution of nobles, um, which the French guillotine changed, which is why the guillotine became so famous because it was a method not only used for rich and famous people. Mm -hmm. So the French guillotine dates back to the late 1789. Dr. Joseph Ignace Guillotin uh, proposed the, to the French government to adopt a gentler method of execution. 
at this time. And ironically, Guillotin was personally opposed to capital punishment, but he argued that lightning, the decapitation, or sorry, lightning, like flash decapitation, oh. would be more humane than axe beheadings, which were often botched. Yeah, 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 they were. <laughs> Guillotin was instrumental in passing a law in France that year that required all death sentences to be carried out by means of a machine, as opposed to human force. Yeah. This also meant that the execution um, by decapitation would no longer be confined to nobles, which it had been at the okay. time. Okay, yes. Although Guillotin was the one who pushed for such a machine to be created, the actual inventor of the, of the machine was French surgeon and physiologist Antoine Louis, and it was built by a harpsichord maker named <gasps> Tobias Schmidt. Okay. Which is like, he went from harpsichords to this. They both got like a frame and stuff inside of it, I guess. I can't think of any other things they have in common. <laughs> but okay. The music of the sh- Jeez, sorry. <laughs> the machine was first called a Louisette or Louison, but it later adopted the title La Guillotine. And the guillotine was used in several trials on dead bodies in the hospital of Biquetre before uh, its first <laughs> official use in the Place de Grève on April 25th, 1792, which was right in the middle of the French Revolution. The guillotine became the main execution device during the Reign of Terror. Guillotin was actually horrified by the frequency of its use, and he tried to distance himself from the machine. Me too. Um, in the early 19th century, his family actually petitioned to have its name changed, oh. but they failed. Because hmm. at that point, it was already known worldwide as the guillotine. Yeah. France in the 1790s had what is now referred to as a period of guillotine hysteria, specifically during the reign of terror. During this time, thousands of, quote, enemies of the French Revolution, including King Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette, were mm. executed by the guillotine. Current historians estimate that about 17,000 people were executed in the reign of terror between 1793 and 1794. In one year, 17,000 people in oh my France. God. Absolutely so many people. The Reign of Terror was primarily perpetrated by Maximilien Robespierre. And the public eventually turned on Robespierre and they arrested mm -hmm. him in 1794. There's a rumor that Robespierre actually tried to shoot himself the night before his execution, but he was unsuccessful mm. um, at completing suicide. His jaw was shattered, however, <gasps> and he had to wear a scarf around his chin to the guillotine. Oh. And when he ascended, it gets worse, when he ascended the platform, the executioner had to remove the scarf <gasps> for a clean cut, and the scarf had been holding Rosebeard's jaw, like, in place, and he was screaming in pain until the blade fell. Oh. So it was so painful. But following his execution, there was uproarious applause for 15 minutes because people were so happy he was dead. Oh, so and good. his execution effectively ended the reign of terror. Although the guillotine was still used um, for public execution until 1939. Mm -hmm. Guillotine executions were a public spectacle at the Place de la Révolution. The machine was honored in many songs, jokes, and poems. Souvenirs would be sold at executions, and a nearby restaurant was titled Cabaret de la Guillotine, which I think actually still exists. There is a famous group of women known as the Tricotesus, who uh, supposedly sat beside the scaffolding and knitted between beheadings, and they attended every day. Because again, there were 17,000 in a year, so a lot yeah. were happening every day. 
Oh, who was it that we were talking about that would literally attend executions? Oh, Madame Tussaud. Mm-hmm. That's how she, like, learned. Her brothers obtained pieces of the guillotine for her. I learned that oh. when I was researching. Yep. Um, although fascination with the guillotine died down at the turn of the 19th century, beheadings continued publicly in France until 1939, as I mentioned. So, this was this I found really insane. Small guillotines were also made as toys for children <gasps> that were sharp, and they would use them <gasps> to decapitate dolls. So parents were like, "We gotta get these off the market. This yeah, is not this is not mentally not health. Good. This is not mentally well." But novelty items of the guillotine were also made to slice bread and vegetables, which I'm wondering if that's where we get a like mandolin slicer from. You know what I'm talking about? No. They're like flat plastic sheets, but they have a guillotine shaped blade on them, and you use it to slice vegetables. Oh. Those are still popular today. So there were little guillotines for inside your house. <laughs> Guillotine operators did gain a small bit of fame in France, particularly during the French Revolution. Multiple generations of one family, the Sansons, uh, referred, served as the state executioner from 1792 to 1847. And then another family, the Dablers, were in charge of the guillotine from 1879 to 1939. And they had, like, a reputation. Mm -hmm. And were considered these, like, badass um, celebrities. That's a train going by. Yeah. You can hear. Mood. Mood noises. Mm -mm. From the guillotine's inception, there were rumors that the brain remained conscious after being severed, which also kind of contributed to public fascination with the machine. A debate around this gained credibility in 1793 when an assistant executioner apparently slapped the face of his victim's head and it appeared to flush angrily. Doctors would routinely ask the condemned to try and blink after they were executed mm. for like experiments. Um, but nothing was ever officially proven on this. However, uh, <laughs> um, experiments that were performed after public execution had ended on rats showed that brain activity could continue on a decapitated head for about four seconds. Maybe. Ooh. But none of nothing ever substantial happened. Mm -hmm. okay. On February 4th, 1832, the guillotine was moved behind the church of the Saint-Jacques de la Boucherie, then to the Grand Roquette prison on November 29th, 1851. And the last public guillotining in France was of Eugène Weidmann, who was uh, convicted of six murders. He was beheaded on June 17th, 1939, outside the prison Saint-Pierre at Versailles. Ironically, this is now called the Palais du Justice. <laughs> Justice, sorry. Justice. There were, there were numerous issues at this final public ex execution which included inappropriate behavior by the spectators, the incorrect assembly of the apparatus, and most importantly, a secret filming of the execution from an apartment across the street. For these reasons, the president, Albert Le Brun, uh, immediately banned all future public executions because mm. he was like, we now have too much information and there's too much ability to disseminate these types of things that they can no longer be held publicly. Yeah. However, one of the most interesting stories to come out of this final public execution is that actor Christopher Lee, Saruman himself, witnessed this execution at <gasps> age 17 and he then went on to play Charles-Henri Sanson, one of the famous executioners from the French Revolution, in a movie 50 years later. He's so old! He When he died in 2015... He's, he, he's been dead for like six years, Jane. He died in 2015 at the age of 93. He was 91 oh, when they filmed The Hobbit. Oh, man. Like, 
I was like, wait, wait, wait. If he was 17, 1939, that means he was born in 1922. And he was. <laughs> Unbelievable. So I also wanted to point out that Christopher Lee, much like Christopher Plummer, died at the ripe age of 93. And they both made films up until their death. And that's really cool. Yeah. Good long life. Good long life. Um, but I just think it's so crazy that he like witnessed it and then went on 50 years later to mm. play a very famous French executioner. And he witnessed the last public execution. Crazy. The guillotine, I must mention, was used in Nazi Germany. It was used to execute some 16,500 resistance fighters. Mm. The guillotine was the official method of execution in France until the death penalty was abolished in 1981. The last three guillotinings occurred in 1976 and 1977. All three men who were executed were child murderers. The final person executed we mentioned last week was Hamida John Duby in Marseille. Although he was not the final person to be sentenced to death in France, he was the last one executed by guillotine. And following his his death, the president commuted all death sentences. Okay. Other countries did use the guillotine. In Belgium, 19 people were beheaded in Antwerp between 1798 and 1856. So it wasn't very popular, but it was used. Mm -hmm. Murderer Hans Voldenweider uh, was guillotined in 1940 in Switzerland, which is the last time it was used there. The guillotine was used for execution along with firing squad in Greece between 1834 and 1913, to which I would like to take the opportunity to say that I think firing squad is the worst way to go. Oh, yeah. Of all the... Death penalty punishments. I think that one's the worst. In Sweden, I thought this was so interesting. Beheading became the mandatory form of execution (gasps) in 1866. Was it considered, like, the most, like, compassionate? I guess out of the options that they had at the time, because the electric chair was still, like, not really founded. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know how to use it properly. Lethal injection didn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. The guillotine, however, was used only once, despite this mandatory form, in 1910 on murderer Alfred Onder. Onder also happens to be the last person executed there before capital punishment was abolished in 1921. So even though it was mandatory, Sweden rarely, like pretty much only one occasion, carried out capital punishment. France at one point colonized South Vietnam and guillotines were used there in 19, being having been brought there by the French colonizers. Guillotines were used there in 1959 after the 1059 decree which mm. essentially broadened the range of crimes that were punishable by death in South Vietnam. Those are, that's one of the more recent mm. uses of it. Mm-hmm. There is only one recorded guillotine execution in North America, north of the Caribbean, and it occurred on the island of Saint-Pierre in 1889 with a guillotine brought in from French Martinique. Makes sense. I guess in my... I don't know. That's a good thing, I guess. In my mind, I was like, oh, there's no way we weren't using them all the time, but because I just don't have a lot of faith in America. Well, we're going to get to the America part soon. Oh, oh, goody. Yeah. In South America, the only known use of the guillotine was in French Guyana. Most of those executed were exiles from France. So it was a very specific French use of... It was a very specific French machine. It hasn't widely been used outside of the French commu- community, mm-hmm. except by um, the Nazi the nazis you gotta stop the nazis here's two crazy facts though in 1996 georgia state representative doug tepper unsuccessfully sponsored a bill to replace the state's electric chair with a guillotine (gasps) stating that he thought it was more humane than the electric chair which i don't know what science there is to support that if any well i don't know much about like what it's like to die by electrocution but 
if he, if, I feel like there's a better way to be like, this way we're killing people isn't humane. Let's have a conversation about that. Yeah. Like, no, he was just like, let's just do it. Wouldn't it be crazy? And we all were like, yeah, it would. Um, <laughs> there have also been multiple suicides in recent years oh. using a guillotine the person constructed themselves, which is Whoa. very upsetting. So having brought the conversation back to America, mm-hmm. I would like to take the opportunity to talk about capital punishment and its history in America because I don't want to I don't I think it would be the pot calling the kettle black if I was like look at this terrible thing France did executing these people with a guillotine if we didn't talk about the like terrible the terrible reputation of of capital Capital punishment punishment, in America Um, because at this point capital punishment is illegal I believe in all European countries um, and it is still legal here and I want to talk about that so Death penalty laws have existed since the 18th century BC. Okay, BC. So when I say that this is a system, it like it really yeah. is in the sense, in every sense. In the 11th century AD, William the Conqueror banned hanging except in the case of murder. And this was sort of the first example of trying to regulate capital punishment. Yeah. The first execution in the American colonies occurred in 1608. Captain George Kendall was hanged for his apparent participation in a conspiracy against John Ratcliffe, that guy from Pocahontas, yeah. and he was killed by firing squad. The first woman executed was named Jane Champion. Mm. Sorry, Jane. Since her <laughs> execution in 1632, about 538 women have been executed compared to over 15,000 men in America. In 1767, Cesare Beccaria uh, wrote his essay on crimes and punishment, different than crime and punishment. Um, and he ascertained that there is no reasonable justification for capital punishment, which has been a major supporting text in the movement against capital punishment. Yeah. In the early 1800s, many states reduced the number of capital crimes and began building state penitentiaries. So before then, it was like, if you did anything, you could die. And they were like, yeah. all right, we're gonna, we have to have something else in place yeah. um, that's sanctioned by the state. In 1834, Pennsylvania became the first state to move executions into correctional facilities instead of just like an angry mob of people. Yeah. And in 1838, Tennessee enacted the discretionary death penalty statutes, which meant it was up to the discretion of the judge to give the death penalty, not a particular law in general, which made it more flexible to say, yes, this is a war- this warrants the death penalty or no, this doesn't, as opposed to like a hard and fast rule yeah. um, that could easily be discriminatory. Not that it's not discriminatory in the first place, but it did kind of... Well, it's it tough. led to it judges led, aren't always yeah it did lead ultimately to less less deaths yeah ultimately in 1847 Michigan became the first state to abolish the death penalty for all crimes except treason and in 1890 William Kemmler became the first person executed by electrocution the early 1900s then saw a period of prison quote unquote reform. During that time, nine states abolished the, beth- the death penalty for all crimes or strictly limited it um, how, for similar reasons like treason. Um, however, in the 1930s saw executions reach their highest frequency in American history to almost 167 per year. Yeesh. Then in 1948, the United Nations General Assembly adopted the Universal Declaration of Human Rights saying that capital punishment overall is wrong, but it wasn't mm. like you have to do this. It wasn't a law. It was just a declaration. Support of capital punishment following this reached an all-time low, showing support of 42%, which in my mind is still way too high for being an all-time low. Yeah. 
1968, the Supreme Court case, a Supreme Court case ruled that dismissing jurors because they do not support the death penalty was unconstitutional, which many people had done. Um, this comes up in, um, like, I, there are many novels that I know of, and I can't think mm. of all the time in my head, but I believe this comes up in To Kill a Mockingbird, that they're picking jurors based off of who wants the death penalty. Yeah. Um, and that is, that was declared unconstitutional in the 60s. The death penalty was then briefly suspended nationally between 1972 and 1976 because it was a very common conversation, so they kind of just halted it to, like, consider and review. Mm -hmm. But a 10-year moratorium on execution officially ended with the execution of Gary Gilmore by firing squad in Utah, which the fact that we were killing somebody by firing squad in the 1970s yeah, is, like, horrific to yeah. me. That same year, Oklahoma became the first state to adopt lethal injection, and the Supreme Court ruled that the death penalty is an unconstitutional punishment for rape when the victim is not killed. So it had to be, which, like, it's, like, essential. I, I roll my eyes at that, but essentially well, what they're saying is that you can only kill a person if they've killed a person. Okay, no, well, the reason I roll my eyes is just because it's, like... I don't know. I feel I have mixed feelings about men like having opinions on like how bad rape is. Like, yes. Oh no, I I completely but, agree. I had the exact same reaction. Yeah. Charles Brooks became the first person executed by lethal injection in 1982. In 1986, the Supreme Court banned the execution of insane persons. Um, because it was, they cited that it was cruel and unusual punishment because that person wouldn't be able to understand what was going on. That's true. Essentially. Only in 1988 was the execution of offenders younger than 15 declared unconstitutional. <gasps> Before 1988, you could kill a, a juvenile, a person in juvenile detention. If that's, they murdered somebody. That's not cool. No, nope, it's not. Ugh, 1988. I hate, I hate that. My mother was 26 years old. She was the age I will turn this year. When they said you can't execute people younger than 15. That is unbelievable. Ugh, that made me, that like made my skin crawl when I read That's that. That's horrible. In 1994, President Bill Clinton signed the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act, which expanded the federal death penalty. In 1999, Pope John Paul II, a Polish icon, visited St. <laughs> Louis, Missouri, and he called for an end to the death penalty, which a lot of Catholics were like, oh, the Pope. <laughs> As they should. <laughs> I'm not Catholic, but... He's a Polish icon, so I appreciate that he said that. I'm Pastafarian, so... I'm Pastafarian. Yeah. A moratorium on the death penalty was subsequently declared in Illinois in 2000. Excuse me. In June 2004, New York declared their death penalty law unconstitutional. The Supreme Court declared that the death penalty for those under 18 was cruel and unusual punishment in 2005. That's too soon. Yeah. That's the same year the Church of the Fox Spaghetti Monster was started. We were 10. <laughs> In December 2007, the New, New Jersey General Assembly voted to become the first state to legislatively abolish capital punishment since its reinstatement in 1976. So the first official state to say we will no longer do this, like legally, mm -hmm. was in 2007. That's too recently. Mm-hmm. To this day, 28 out of 50 states still have the death penalty. Colorado joined the list of states to abolish the death penalty in March of 2020, and Pennsylvania, Oregon, and California have declared a moratorium on capital punishment. So they're not doing it right now, but that means it could come back. Mm -hmm. Amnesty International has called for the worldwide abolishment of capital punishment. As of 2019, 106 countries had completely abolished the death penalty. 
Excluding China from these numbers, 657 people were executed worldwide in 2019. The numbers of people killed in China each year remains classified, but it is thought to be in the thousands. China is the world mm. leader of capital punishment executions, um, followed by Saudi Arabia and Iran. Some reasons to abolish the death penalty include um, there's always a chance that the person on death row was wrongfully convicted and mm -hmm. you cannot reverse a death sentence once that person is dead. The existence of the death penalty does not deter crime. There's no proof that threatening to kill a person will stop them from stop crimes from being committed in general. Mm -hmm. The death penalty is discriminatory. It disproportionately affects worldwide those with low socioeconomic status or people in racial minorities, mm -hmm. regardless of the country. Um, it's often also used as a political tool to execute opponents, particularly in um, countries with corrupt governments. Mm. Last July, the U.S. carried out its first federal execution in 17 years. And the following six months after that, the Trump administration executed 13 inmates, which was um, more than had been executed in the previous six decades. It was three times more than had been executed in the previous six decades. With Trump's appointment of three conservative Supreme Court justices, all who support the death penalty, it seems unlikely that capital punishment will be abolished on the federal level anytime soon. However, there is still legislation that you can push for your independent state to abolish it. Um, this is, however, still a bipartisan issue. Obama did say the federal court should pursue the death penalty for the Boston Marathon bomber mm. and Dylan Roof, who is the Charleston church shooter. It is possible that Roof's sentence will be commuted to life without parole because the Supreme Court has declared it unconstitutional to sentence someone to death who has a mental illness um, for the same reason as the insane or anybody who has some sort of... Um, mental impairment because mm. it's considered cruel and unusual punishment and a psychiatric report on roof has reported that he is autistic but what i find interesting is that he is denying this diagnosis because he doesn't want to be seen seen as weak or a mm. weird like he said he does he yeah. doesn't want to be seen as a weirdo um he doesn't want that the reason he did it to become linked to um a mental impairment so that is like an interesting sort of wrench in what could be a major mm -hmm. execution unfortunately um in this country but that is what i have to say on that okay i know that was upsetting to hear but like well i don't know it's something i'm glad i, I know about that yeah. i'm like i feel like i never fully formed an opinion on the death penalty it's mm -hmm. like i just watched the documentary series on richard ramirez mm -hmm. and how he was sentenced to the death penalty and then ended up dying of cancer before he could be executed mm -hmm. and like that community was like kind of upset by that and i was kind of like well i mean he like did really horrible things but ultimately like i just don't know if i am a person who could support like harming people but I mean, the thing that I read, and I forget who was talking about this, but it was in some true crime documentary that a woman who is, um, who was the victim of, I want to say, Ted Bundy, mm. a major, a very high profile mm -hmm. serial murder rapist, mm -hmm. was, said that um, the death penalty for that person did not bring her any comfort. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. But then on the other hand, like, I recently watched, um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, 
which mm-hmm. that book is one of my favorite books I've ever yeah. written. I love that book. I loved the documentary. I thought yeah. it did a really beautiful job, particularly because the documentary was able to go into the trial of James D'Angelo, mm-hmm. um, who was identified after Michelle McNamara had yeah. died. So his identifying was not as part of the book. Yeah. And a big part of this was that some of them were disappointed that um, because he pled guilty, he would not receive the death penalty. And some people were upset by that oh, and some people weren't. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think that it's difficult um, t- because I've never been the victim of a major crime, yeah. you know, nor do I have a family member who is a victim of a major crime, in which case a person would be put on, would be put on death row. Yeah. However, I encourage everybody to um, see the movie Just Mercy. Hmm. Beautiful film based off a book, based off a true story about a man who was put on death row for a crime he did not commit. And there's plenty yeah. of evidence that he didn't do it. And yet, um, because he was a black man living mm. in, um, I want to say they're in Alabama, but I don't know that for a fact. He was assumed to have been the perpetrator. And I think that there are, I think there's so much systematically wrong with the death penalty yeah. that it cannot continue to exist because very rarely does capital punish is capital punishment carried out on a person who I don't even want to say deserves it but yeah. a person who committed the crimes they are accused of I think there are way too many examples of particularly black men being killed yeah. needlessly you yeah. know that that is why I feel that it is something that we as a country should no longer be doing. Yeah. Because there's too much systematically wrong with it. I agree. Uh, Like, barring all the moral implications of it, you know? Um, So that's, those are my thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, But I think it's something that's important to know because, again, I was just talking about um, in my class, talking about another, something else that's very upsetting is in a class I'm taking right now, we're talking about eugenics. And Mm. eugenics had... Eugenics is something that we identify with the Nazis. Mm -hmm. But eugenics had a huge foundation in America. And the Nazis and Adolf Hitler got their ideas about a master Aryan race from American eugenicists Mm. who were practicing eugenics on people with disabilities. And a lot of people in my class, myself included... We're like, how do I not know about this? How have I never heard about this? Why don't I know these names? Yada, yada. And it's because I think in America, and I'm sure other countries do this too, but I can only speak to my experience as a person who went through the American education system, is that we do a very good job of being like, look what these people did. Isn't that terrible? And so when you hear about the guillotine, you're like, how could they do that? How could they execute all these people? How could they execute 17,000 people in one year? How could they behead them? How could people go and watch that? And I don't know how they could go and do that. But I also don't know how America could carry out 13 federal executions in six months yeah. last year, you know? So I don't want to be that person that's, like, pointing yeah. at another country and being like, look at their terrible history. Look at these yeah. terrible things they did and villainizing those people when yeah. those systems still exist here, yeah. you know? It, we are not unaffected by it. We are not immune from their wrongful decisions yeah. or immorality, you know? That's my thoughts on that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that was heavy. Um, it was heavy, but I don't know, food for thought. Food for thought, food for thought. That's all I'm trying to give you, some food for thought. 
Thank you. If you made it to all the end of this, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, iPhoneOrandering.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. And finally, if you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us at iPhoneWonderingPodcast at gmail.com, and we'd love to put it on our show. Jane, you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering, Sarah? So we're almost to episode 100, which is crazy. And for episode 75, you, I believe, maybe it was 50, you talked about the Free Britney movement. Oh. Now we have this new documentary about yeah. Britney Spears. We've gotten a lot of updates on her. So I would like an update on what's going on with Britney Spears. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what I've been wondering. Is next week 100? No, next week's 97. Oh, okay. So we're just catching up on it. We're on catching it. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're going to get to pick for yep. 100. Yep. A surprise. Yeah. A <laughs> surprise. <laughs> I'm French now. The <laughs> guillotine. <laughs> I I had a, a student who was French who one time um, someone swore in front of him and he went, "Do not say that it is a kiss." I should mention he was four. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, I'm trying to think of a way to transition into this. So this week, Sarah and I had a a, a fun thing happen. Well, we it didn't happen to us witness to a fun thing for a friend of the podcast who's oh, been yeah. on our show before Aaron uh got engaged this week it was very we exciting it was very exciting yes we had a very we did not see the engagement we it did was not. just told to us yes he yeah. shared the news with us in kind of a fun way um but I you know and watching Bridgerton like all the old timey talks about uh, marriage and stuff you know what I've been wondering uh what have you been wondering I've been wondering about the history of like proposals Oh, and like yeah. what have been like historically big ones mm-hmm. uh, when did cu- like customs and how they changed yeah. I'm sure when did s- they start getting down on a knee when <laughs> did they start getting down on a knee when it like rings become a thing like when did men well men don't wear engagement rings but like yeah engagement rings for women like yeah. when did those start being a thing I know we're probably going to talk a lot about like men buying women from their fathers and things like that. Oh, uh, yeah, like dowries, things yeah. like that. No, that's that's in, that's useful information yeah. to have, so I'm happy to talk about that. Okay, that's what's coming at you next week. Thank you so much for listening. This is, you know, what I've been wondering.